previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. Beer out of a bottle or beer out of a can? Oh. Okay, so funny you should ask that. My <laughs> participation in the special was actually a taste test. Oh. Once it's been poured into a cup, can you tell if it's from a bottle or a can? And Ooh. I couldn't. However, drinking out of a bottle makes me feel slightly less white trash than I actually am. <laughs> That's a great point. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Can you hear that, Roxy? My voice is a little rough here. A little bit. It's very early, Littles. You need we to us- do your scales. We usually don't do that. This, yeah, that's a good point. Your scales la, la, and arpeggios. La, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, we usually don't do this this early, but it's bright and early here. Full disclosure, it's Thursday, December 16th. Big day for us. Very big day. And I forgot. Well, I didn't forget, but no. I mean, Facebook helped remind me, but... Three years ago today, we got engaged. Yeah, this is our... What do you call it? engage anniversary. Yeah, that's what I call it. Wow. We don't really do much to celebrate. Well, we're, we're doing a podcast. That's true. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, we probably should have put our... Uh, alert or what do we call it the warning uranus jokes may appear on this episode because right out of the gate we heard from john miller and he wanted to make us all aware that last night uranus next to the moon it says on wednesday december 15th the almost full moon will be nearly a fist width to the right of uranus in the eastern sky the moon and uranus will spread out as the night progresses as the moon will then move to the lower left of the planet by dawn, both of these will be in the western sky, with the moon being bright. This may hinder visibility. Now, Roxy, we had a little party to go to after my show last night, yep. a little holiday party, and I did kind of think about it last night as we were walking home. I did not mention it to you. You did not. I did not, but also because it was very cloudy, because it was a haze, it was rainy. Yeah, we had a cloudy day yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so I didn't really yeah. see anything Trust me, had I seen it, I would have pointed it out to you. Also, being in the city with so many lights, it's hard to see anything anyway. that as well. Correct. So, welcome, loyal listeners. This is National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. (gasps) No, that sounds good day to me. So, I don't know. What's your favorite chocolate covered what? I mean, anything, really. Well, let's not get carried away. No, really. Brussels sprouts? That would actually, I would try that. Stop it. It would probably be terrible, but I would try it. It would be terrible. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. Uh, Strawberries, hot dog, cherries. Pizza. No, 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 no. Well, no. see. Bananas. Yes. Um, what's your pretzels. I love chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. Chocolate-covered chocolate. I mean. <laughs> chocolate-covered chocolate. Is that a thing? I guess. Yeah, actually. I was going to go marshmallows is another one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to the important stuff. We have a very important announcement, so pay attention, everyone, because yep. this is a little different than what it's been in the past, apparently, yep. So, especially last year. So, Because if you remember, we did all these fun little, I don't want to say jingle-esque type commercials, but Roxy, what do we got? We've got another Little Elves 2021 Holiday Drive. This is the fifth annual Little Elves. This year, we will once again be supporting Rocco's Warriors, the charitable organization founded in memory of Robert Berg's nephew, Rocco, but in a different, more targeted way. So everyone pay attention. Emma Taylor is a fourth grader who is currently in UPMC Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh, where Rocco received such wonderful care. Emma has leukemia, has endured three rounds of chemotherapy, and has recently undergone a bone marrow transplant. Michelle Monteleon, Rocco's mom, says that despite all Emma has been through, she seems to always have a smile on her face and takes on the day with such courage and grace. Emma refuses to wander the halls of the hospital in her pajamas, getting herself dressed and ready every day for the dance parties she loves to hold with the nurses. Emma has a teenage brother. Her mother, Lisa, is a single mom. So she can be at the hospital every day for Emma's intensive treatment. Lisa has been unable to work. She hopes to be able to go back to work this coming spring, but it will all depend on good results from Emma's bone marrow transplant. Rocco's Warriors has been helping the Taylor family with rent and additional necessities so Lisa can concentrate on Emma's care. Our 2021 holiday drive will be a one-day Littles Blitz, taking place on Monday, December 20th. All money donated by the Littles between 12.01 a.m. and 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on that day will be earmarked for Emma Taylor and her family. 
All you have to do is send your donation directly to Rocco's Warriors via PayPal or Venmo. The PayPal is at Rocco's Warriors NP. That's at R-O-C-C-O-S W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S capital N lowercase p. And the Venmo is at Rocco28. Don't forget to plan accordingly for your time zone. If you don't have PayPal or Venmo, or if making a donation on December 20th isn't good fiscal timing for you, email Claire Natola at claire.natola at gmail.com and she'll help arrange an alternative method for you to donate. That's Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E dot N-A-T-O-L-A at gmail.com. Let's help Emma and her family get through the winter. Thank you for your support. We probably should have started saying that was all coming from Claire Natola, and her efforts are always just amazing. Yeah. Especially always above and beyond. And yeah. And she also wrote later on, she said, if anyone accidentally donated earlier than this Monday, just let her know and she can give Rocco's Warriors a head up that your donation goes to Emma. Yeah. So that's wonderful. Please write this down. Make sure you know it's this Monday, December uh, 20th, December 20th. We don't know what our schedule is going to hold. We've been trying to still do two episodes a week and they've obviously not been our normal Tuesday, Saturday episodes because the one week the big show did a Tuesday. So our stuff kind of got shifted and it kind of worked with our schedule a little bit. Yeah. So we've been kind of trying to do a Thursday, Mm -hmm. Sunday late kind of thing. (laughs) So if we do a Sunday late, we'll certainly remind you again. More importantly, if you missed any of that, just go to our show notes. We'll put all that in the show notes, the Venmo information, Claire's information, the PayPal, all that stuff. Yep. So no worry, we got you covered. Please do what you can, Littles. I know everyone involved really appreciates it. Yes. All right. Ready? Let's start the show. Let's, I mean, let's, that takes precedent the over show. the show, though, because that's the important <laughs> yeah. stuff. We start with, we're still kind of recapping Marcy Dillon and her uh-huh. great interview. And she wanted everyone to know because Tony Beeson wrote in last time asking some questions. And the basic one was, to answer Tony Beeson's question is no. I've never worked with Tom Hanks. Trust me, even I wouldn't bury that lead. <laughs> So now Bobby also had some updates for us, too, because we put a request into him. Now, Bobby sent us a soundbite. Yeah, it was pretty great. OK, it was fantastic. But Rox, you're going to try and read the uh, email. I'm going to try. OK. All right. Bobby says, happy to add more context. The Haka, and he even put pronounced. Oh, yeah. He phonetically Haka. spelled it. But yeah. l- I'm just going to interrupt. Mm-hmm. But then even after that, and I might we might play it anyway. He sent us a voice memo to make sure we knew how to pronounce it yes. because he quote, quote said there would be some new words in there yeah. that we might not know. And it's true. And it's true. It's absolutely true. But it just made us laugh. It was great. Right. He says, the Hakka is from the Maori tradition. The Maori are native New Zealanders. Each tribe has their own Hakka. The All Blacks, named for the color of their uniforms and not for any racial reason, perform the Kamate Haka, which comes from the, I'm going to say, Naughty Toa. (laughs) He says, I don't know the pronunciation, sorry, tribe. So I'm going to call it the Naughty Toa. The Haka is a Maori challenge, and the All Blacks perform it as a challenge to the opposing team before each match. Almost universally, and with rare exception, opposing teams are extremely respectful of the Haka and line up facing the All Blacks to receive the challenge. Occasionally, this leads to great competitive moments, such as when the Welsh team initiated a silent stare down after the Haka until the referee forced it to end. Wow. I did see the video of the one and it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I can only imagine what it would be like to see it yeah. in person. Now, if, if anyone knows how, how to pronounce this, it's N-G-A with a dash over it, T-I, and then T-O-A. Hmm. So I'm calling it the Naughty Toa, the but naughty I don't think that's right. It's probably not. But we like it. <laughs> if anyone knows how to pronounce it, please send us a sound bite. <laughs> Thank you. And w- Bobby didn't? No, he, he said, I don't know the pronunciation. Sorry. What up, Bobby? Yeah. And Ritz wrote in saying he can't wait to do the haka with us. I guess he wants to learn it. I don't know. <laughs> Bobby also wrote in, love y'all, but why are we making the leap from hogs to pigskins? Why not just name them the Washington Hogs? And for the record, I am on team. Keep the WFT name. So I get that. That's actually fine. The hogs. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming the whole pigskins thing came from you throw the pigskin around is how they say. Right. I don't think that's offensive, is it? 
It's talking about a pig. Maybe PETA would have an issue. Maybe. But I don't know. But no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that's what you know you used to say for slang. Oh, right. We're going around to toss the pigskin around. You right. Know? So I don't know. Maybe I'm totally going to get written off here because I've said it like eight times already. I don't know. All right. And now we heard from our dear friend, Ed Butt. Yep. He says, Thanksgiving got me a few weeks behind on podcasts. And then he says, one. Oh, boy. I know where this is going. Uh- <laughs> One. Well, can we stop? It's, uh, that makes us, uh, we love it because oh, I've got You're doing f- it on purpose. Well, but I've got a few that are specifically one, two, three, four. So this okay. is fun. Okay. Now, yeah, I've forgotten that we asked him about these accents and like, remember we asked Ed Butt and so he never, we never heard from him. So I was like, oh, I guess he didn't want to try, but go right. ahead. Well, he says one, jab makes a lot more sense than shot. Unless they're using the air gun injectors that they used on me in army basic training. Whoa. B. I am terrible at accents. I often start jokes. This will be funnier if you pretend I'm doing it in an Irish broke. I can do a Southside Chicago accent. So I don't know if this is good. Some says I's done that my whole life. <laughs> what? I can also... Hey, do an Eastern Wisconsin accent. Hey, it's akin to a youper accent from Michigan's UP. I've never tried an English accent, but maybe because BBC America is to me as the Hallmark Channel is to Tony. Let me see what I can do, Ed. Okay, I have no idea. First of all, I'd like to say you're welcome, little. (laughs) Okay, and that's Christmas gift number one to all of you. Holiday Uh. gift for all our listeners. I am beat red. Well, the fact that I did not attempt to read that email. Okay, that's your first gift. Now, we've got some other really great gifts coming up. Don't you worry. We're already prepping for our holiday big bang-out episode. I mean, can I tell them my fun fact of how I get into an English accent? Sure. So I used to watch Super Nanny, I think is what it was called. Super Nanny? Yeah, this woman, Nanny Joe, would go into people's... No, no, no. no. Nanny Joe would go into people's homes and basically retrain reckless kids. Okay. And she would always tell them to go sit on the naughty stair. Or the naughty chair. Ooh, but hey. my, I made one up myself and I'm like, they should just sit in front of the naughty entertainment center. <laughs> and that's how I would get into my accent. And that's probably horrible as well. But whatever. See, I get my English mixed up with the Cockney because... The naughty entertainment center. I still watch my... I, my Alpha fair lady. Doodle, yeah. You know, it's a blooming busybody. Okay. Bam. Now, this jab thing has yeah. grown on us because uh-huh. I've seen some memes that I was very excited about. I showed her one this morning and yeah. it was because it's her favorite. From Silence of the Lambs, and it's Hannibal Lecter, and he's on the phone, and he says, "If you eat someone that was vaccinated, do you still need a jab?" Asking for a friend. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, funny is funny. I mean, funny is funny. And I don't a, like that movie, but funny is funny. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. All right, we then heard from Bob Walsh. It's been a while. We yeah. heard from Bob. He said, "So I'm a titch behind, but one." In our house, Kravitz can be used as a verb, meaning to be nosy. Yep. For you, Roxy. I like it. Two, old Darren, for sure. Yep. It always stuck with me that both actors were named Dick, York, and Sergeant, respectively. Three. Ah. Before Darren, though, Dick York was in Inherit the Wind, the great movie which dramatized the Scopes monkey trial. Scopes was a teacher prosecuted for teaching evolution. Spencer Tracy and Frederick March had the leads, but York played Bertram Cates, the Scopes role. And as a nod to Roxy... The movie also starred Gene Kelly oh, in yeah. a non-dancing part. Yep. Now, yeah. I didn't I didn't know any. I've never seen the movie. I've read the play. I've never seen the movie, but I knew Gene Kelly was in it. Yeah. I remember it being one of the first plays I ever bought mm. on my own, like from the bookstore. Yeah. And then from Sully from Boston, quote, mine's all vibration because I'm too scared. That's what she said. Little Chuck, that's what she said. I mean, what would the Loyal Littles podcast be without a that's what she said joke from Sully from Boston? <laughs> Am I right? And then let's just tie it up. We got some more butter talk. Yep. From Amy Shelburne. She says, I hold the stick of salted butter or sometimes the compound butter I've made and rub the corn on the cob with the butter. Always best left sitting on the counter at room temperature. All right. Amy has spoken. I would think, though, that would get messy. See, that's the funny part about this is I feel like if you're doing corn on the cob and you're rubbing it with the stick, Mm -hmm. I don't think room temperature works. I mean, obviously it does. She says it does, but... I feel like it would just get mushy and you're like holding it in your hand and that would then get mushy and you'd have butter all over your hand. Exactly. Well, no, no, because you're keeping it in the wrapper. Yeah, but still it could seep through. Yeah, a little bit, but that's... 
a perfect example of when to put it in the fridge, I feel like. Mm. Yeah. And then you rub it on because it'll be in like harder. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. All right, Roxy, let's get out of here. Time to meet the Littles. Someone long time coming. Yep. No, not Todd Takei. But another one that we were fishing around for last year Mm -hmm. and said he would come on eventually. And then we tried, I think it was twice. Yep. Twice we tried to have him on and it didn't work out. He's finally here. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. Don't go anywhere because it is now time to meet the Littles. People who listen to Chuck and Roxy on the Loyal Littles podcast are automatically on the nice list. Ho, ho, ho! Oh, I'm sorry. Are you trying to sleep, Littles? Time to get up. All right, all you loyal listeners, this was actually sent in by another little when they heard my call for original Christmas music, which I love. I love this stuff. They write in and say, when you have a few friends born on Christmas Day, you want to make them feel special. So you throw a party that has nothing to do with Christmas. You order Chinese food, put out the cocktail trolley and turn on your Xbox 360 and play rock band all through the night. For the better part of a decade, this was exactly how I spent every Christmas night. Until one terrible Christmas Eve, the Grinch bricked, or broke, my console, displaying the dreaded Red Ring of Death. It's like the blue screen of death, but for Xboxes. And unto miscast, a song called Red Ringed for Christmas was born this day. Now, if you like what you hear, you can find all of Miscast music on Spotify and or Bandcamp, but never revere. That was the best I could do with that. Seriously, go check them out. Buy their stuff. We played one of their songs on Sully from Boston's episode, obviously, and it was called That's What She Said. They're all great. And I'll shut up now, and as always, we'll play the full song, Red Ring for Christmas, at the end of the podcast. All you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. Roxy, long, long, long time coming. Yeah. Finally happening. Uh huh. I believe it was last April, then June. Never happened. <laughs> sort of. He gave us a little teaser. Please welcome back to the podcast. But the first time we're really meeting him finally, Elliot Olshansky. Hey, Elliot. Finally, how's it going? Hey, how about you, folks? Oh, we're, we're, we're great now. We're good, yeah. Yeah, this has been a long, long time coming. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time. Lots going on in your life right now. Why don't you take a second, take a few minutes, introduce yourself to the Loyal Littles. Tell us anything about yourself that we think the Littles might want to know. Oh, that is a, <laughs> what, what do the littles want to know? I mean, I am 39. I turned 40. I will be a man, as Mike Gundy would say. But, and Mike Gundy's having a nice year. Although I will be rooting against in the Big 12 championship against Baylor because, so I went to Dartmouth College, which I've mentioned. I, don't, I know Tony says it's not a subtle brag, but whatever. I also wrote back after the Dartmouth men's basketball team beat Georgetown. How's this for a subtle brag? Dartmouth 69, Georgetown 60, eat at Saliza. It's actually kind of funny because Dartmouth was really where I started following Tony. It, it's, it's amazing how little I realized at first. So I graduated from Dartmouth in 2004. So I was a sophomore in 2001 when PTI premiered. And it took me a really long time, actually, to realize because I never caught it in the beginning. It was always something that was on in the dining hall or something like that. It just, they'd have ESPN on and I watch it. And it had been such a long time, 
really, since I'd seen him, that I didn't realize that Tony wasn't Peter Vesey. And the first, I don't know however many times I stumbled into PTI being on, I thought it was Peter Vesey on TV. But eventually figured it out. And by the time I was a senior, it was actually had a hand in a segment that was on PTI because Dartmouth has this ongoing issue where their team used to be the Indians and they obviously stopped. And I don't know that it was ever actually official official, but I do know that it was used as as shorthand in the paper. Sometimes they'd say the Indians and actually the conservative paper up there, the Dartmouth Review that has given us the likes of Dinesh D'Souza and Laura Ingram, if you can hear the bitterness in my voice, (laughs) actually still, I think the entire reason they have a sports section is so so they can continue to use that name. In any case, when I was a senior, there was a survey to get a new mascot. Uh, I think there was the Moose, a Dr. Seuss character, because Dr. Seuss went to Dartmouth, which we'll have to come back to that has a role in my encounter with the cheese boy. And I forget what some of the, I think there was like a mountaineer or something like that. Nothing really gained traction. So the humor magazine, the Jack-O-Lantern, which actually Dr. Seuss used to write for, the entire reason that he took the name Dr. Seuss was he was uh, suspended, not from school, but from all the extracurricular activities, I believe because of a bathtub gin incident. And he continued to write for the Jack-O-Lantern, and he submitted under the name Dr. Seuss, Seuss being his middle name, Theodore Gott, Seuss Geisel. But anyway, so the Jack-O-Lantern, they had figured out how to kind of hijack email addresses a little bit, or at least send things out that looked like they came from somebody else. They would change an alias. And so they sent something out that was pretending to be from the mascot search committee. And they said, well, y'all voted. People didn't really like any of them, so we're scrapping them all, and here's our new mascot, Keggy the Keg. And we hope you'll come out to see Keggy the Keg when he makes his debut at Homecoming. Now, little did I know that the guys from the Jack-O-Lantern had actually built a Keggy costume, and one of them was going to go in it. And a couple of these guys were uh, actually uh, my fraternity brothers. The mastermind behind this whole thing, Chris Plehall, who also did, there's a TV special that's on CBS sometimes around this time of year called Yes, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, about the girl who wrote the letter to yeah. the New York Sun. Yep. Uh, he did that special, and I guess now it was also made into a children's book. But the, the TV special with Neil Patrick Harris and Alfred Molina and all those mm-hmm. uh, other wonderful people who were in. But so Chris, before he did Yes, Virginia, he created Keggy the Keg. And he and one of the other guys in the Jack Lantern, who was also in Sigma Nu, they dressed up as members of the marching band and carried the costume into the stadium under a blanket, just walking with us. So I actually helped get Keggy into the stadium for his debut. <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, it really took off to the point where it was covered on PTI. And I mean, I still remember Wilbon saying, Tony, you have a daughter at an Ivy League school. Is this what you're paying for? And at that point, Elizabeth was at Cornell. Right. That, uh, Tony had a Cornell football helmet on the PTI set, and he was tapping that thing as he was talking and talking about her being at the hotel school. And you know, there was a whole thing that I'm sure the Dartmouth admissions office hated that, like, once you get there, all you can do is drink. I think it's the right mascot. But I actually remembered him tapping that Cornell football helmet. So a couple of years ago, in the before times, before uh, COVID, when Keith Olbermann was in studio, I remembered that they had that Cornell football helmet. And I made the suggestion to Bonnie that she get it back out for Keith because Keith went to Cornell. Mm. And of course, she went and she got it. And it was it's right there on the set. If you go back and watch any of those episodes right there in front of Keith, because as we all know, Bonnie gets it done. Absolutely. Right. So forgive me for this. What did you guys end up going with? What is your mascot now? We're still the Big Green. We have been the Big Green ever since we the Indians thing went away. Right, gotcha. And there's never been an official mascot. I think Keggy still makes appearances. <laughs> That's uh, great. Keggy became a sensation. I mean, he. I think that the, the costume's been stolen a couple of times, but, and I'm not sure, I, I haven't been up to Dartmouth in about 10 years or so. But, uh, or actually, no, that's that's not true. I, I was last there four years ago for a friend's wedding. That's right. But in, in, in any case, it's been a while. All right, Ellie, well, take us back now. So where did you grow up exactly? Are you from where you are now? Kind of, sort of. I mean, I grew up on Long Island. I was born in Baltimore, but oh. we only lived there in two. Okay. 
the most connection I have to the place now is that I love the books of Laura Lippman, which all of which take place in Baltimore. And to the extent that I have an American League team, it's the it's the Orioles, which is a, a little bit for me and Joe Arrow to bond over. <laughs> right. Well, that's where I was going. I wanted to know where your fandom was. Well, I mean, I, I think I've mentioned several times in various emails to the show that I am a diehard Mets fan. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes, and in this holiday mm-hmm. where uh, Jewish people remember what God did for our warriors, Steve Cohen went out and got us a warrior god. Yeah, he sure did. So what about your other sports? Do you follow other sports, or are you just basically baseball? Yeah. Uh, actually, what's, what's kind of funny is, uh, so I've written jingles for the show about the uh, Washington football team. Normally, I refer to them as the alleged football team, but they're winning too much for me to say that. <laughs> right. uh, but my biggest thing after the Mets really is, is the New York Rangers. And every now and then I exchange some emails with uh, Saliza about our uh, Tottenham Hotspur football club. I'm actually, I'm actually wearing a Tottenham Hotspur shirt right now. And let's see. And I, mean, I, I follow my Dartmouth teams. I, I follow some of the Fordham teams where, where I got my MBA and uh, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage is a Maryland grad. So I've between her and the show, you know, started following Maryland. And let's see, did, did, I, did I miss any? I, I, it, it took me a long time to get back into the NBA, but I finally have with the Brooklyn Nets, partly because a Tottenham fan, Steve Nash, is the head coach. And because they are affiliated with the New York Liberty, whom I've been rooting for since 1997. Right. And now that they've taken them over from MSG and the fact that their G League team is here on Long Island. And, and I think they're still playing at Nassau Coliseum. I don't think they moved to the new building in Elmont. So between all those things, I finally said, OK, I'm in. I'm a Nets fan because I was never a Knicks fan. Actually, when I was in middle school, I have distinct memories of sitting in the cafeteria and reading Reggie Miller's book, I Love Being the Enemy. Right. Uh, also, <laughs> into my encounter with the Cheese Boy, which I guess I may, I may as well. And, yeah. and I think this was before I knew he was the Cheese Boy, actually before I knew who he was at all. So while I was at Dartmouth, obviously I was in the, in the marching band, and that was where I got into hockey, really. Even though I'm a Rangers fan and was a Rangers fan, it was more passive when I was growing up. But I became a hockey fan at Dartmouth because that was a, a great team to follow. And a couple of guys I went to school with played in the NHL. But I was also a big basketball fan. And I didn't just go when the band went. I would go to other games. And that put me in a distinct minority in the Dartmouth student body. So in terms of trying to create atmosphere and trying to mess with the other team a bit, I had to think about, uh, you know, in a visiting players shooting free throws, you can't just shout as one person in the stands and be making random noise like big crowds do. Right. You have to actually something. So I remember reading in Reggie Miller's book about a somewhat notorious DC sports fan by the name of Robin Ficker. And one of his bits was whenever the Bulls were, because he used to have the seats behind the visiting bench at I know at one point it was US Air Arena, Cap Center, whatever it was in Landover. He had the seats behind the visiting bench and he would do all sorts of heckling. And one of his bits was when the Bulls were in town, he would read from the Jordan Rules, the book about the Pistons and how they played against Jordan. And, and that was how he would get to Jordan or try to get to Jordan. Oh. Right. And what Reggie mentioned was that when they were in DC, Ficker was going through a nasty divorce. And it was in the newspapers. So they brought copies to the newspaper out to the bench. And after they had beaten, I guess, 95, I guess they were still the Wizards at that point. Or maybe they were the Bullets. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. But whatever they were, as soon as the Pacers won, they picked up the newspapers and started reading the newspaper stories about Ficker's divorce out loud to him. Oh, no. (laughs) But the idea of reading was, uh, was what stuck with me. So at first it was the, the short story, The Devil and Daniel Webster, was what I started out with. And then the next year I switched over to Dr. Seuss. Nice. And Dr. Seuss books. I actually once almost got thrown out. I was threatened with expulsion from the palestra. Oh. The one game I went to the palestra in Philadelphia, Dartmouth at Penn. And I, I think it was actually around the same time. I think it was 2009, now that I think about it. I was there with my copy of One Fish, Two Fish. And <laughs> Great book. I was staying and I, and I was staying with Jonathan Tannenwald, who's also emailed the show a number of times. And Tony's mentioned his mom, Carol. And But anyway, so he actually called me. He was covering the game. He, I mean, he still does work for the Inquirer, Daily News, whatever mm-hmm. down there. And he called me 
from press row and said, if you want some place to sleep tonight, you better shut up. <laughs> I mean, I kept it up. I didn't actually do it. But then security actually threatened me. And for reading one fish, two fish during <laughs> Wow. I mean, you must have been pretty loud. Were you on a microphone or a megaphone or something? No, I know you're not allowed to have artificial noisemakers. Because I I, I remember that. My 21st birthday, this is probably one of the mildest 21st birthday stories you'll ever hear. But Dartmouth had a home game against Colgate, Howard Feynman's Colgate Raiders. And I baked my own cake and got some friends together. And we sat in the stands and we had, you know, little kids party hats and streamers (laughs) and kazoos. And we would blow on the streamers and kazoos when Colgate was shooting free throws. And I remember distinctly the sports information director, she came over and she ordered us to stop because we couldn't have the artificial noisemakers while they were. But no, I was just really, really loud. And the same thing happened. That was Dartmouth women's basketball has a great track record of success within the Ivy League. I think. For 1979 to 2000, I guess the 2000, every person who played four years for the Dartmouth women's basketball program won at least one Ivy League title and went to the NCAA tournament. Oh, cool. Nice. So the four years that I was there was the first four years that they didn't go for four years in a row. And then I was working for CSTV and doing other things when they won in 2005 and 2006. So I didn't get to go. But when they made it in 2009, I made a point of going. And was at Maryland and actually bought a new Dr. Seuss book for the occasion. I bought Girdle the Turtle. Excellent. Nice. Perfect. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. And at halftime, I see this bald gentleman wearing glasses come up to me and he, you know, asks to interview me about the whole thing. And I, you know, had him not use my last name because I was working for the New York Daily News at the time. I was working as a web editor and didn't want to get out there that this is what I was doing. I mean, I don't think it would have caused any real problems, but just in case. Sure. But yeah, so I was interviewed and profiled by the cheese boy. Wow. As I know him. Nice. That's amazing. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, listen, we already need to take a break. Uh, you can stick around though, right? Of course. Okay. Of course. All right. Because we got lots more to get into. We got books to get into. We've got acapella groups to get into. Don't go anywhere, Littles. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. Hey, this is Rup Sharma from Cincinnati, Ohio, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Roxy, like we said, long time coming. We've got yep. Elliot Olshansky with us. Hearing some great stories. I mean, it's just story after story. I mean, so, I never would have thought to read a book. That's great. Yeah, we might get to one <laughs> fun dumb question here. We'll see. Because we have a lot more to get into. So where do you want to go next, Elliot? Do you want to talk about book? Do you want to talk about the acapella group? What would you like? Jeez. Well, um... Well, yeah, talk about the West Side Story thing, because, you know, especially with Sondheim just passing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of funny how this worked out, but it's something that actually started with Tony and with the the radio show, because it was really writing jingles that got me thinking that I could do some full-length parody stuff. I started listening to the podcast back in the Washington Post radio days in, uh, I guess, 2007, 2008, but there were a lot of years that I stopped and then I finally came back like 2014 or so and that the jingles had started. And I think 2015, I, I started writing my first one. And about a year and a half later, I was at a synagogue for Rosh Hashanah services with the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and her parents. And I'm listening to the rabbi talk about borrowing. And he was talking about wanting to borrow the concept of four questions from Passover and apply it and and have questions about Rosh Hashanah. And somehow that idea of borrowing led me to wanting to write a Hamilton parody uh, for Hanukkah. And I knew that I could do it, A, because I'd been writing jingles for a year and a half at this point, but also because there had been that big Alexander Hamilton jingle that uh, what yeah. I know Rock was involved with it. And oh, there's like 10 people. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I knew it could be done. So I sat down, I started writing. And once I was sure I, I had a verse or two that I, that I was confident in, I reached out to 613, which was an acapella group I first heard of because somebody who had been in the group went to uh, or went on Birthright uh, Israel to, uh, with me uh, oh. in, in 2009. It's a, 
year seems to keep coming up for whatever reason. But then I seen him sing with the group at City Field when they did their Jewish Heritage Day the, the following year. I see. And so I, I knew of them and I reached out through their website and you know, had calls. I didn't even know that there was a Binghamton connection there. Well, I was actually hoping you were going to say it was Dartmouth's <laughs> acapella group. No, you know? no. But believe me, I had nothing to do with acapella Dartmouth. I do not <laughs> kind of a singing voice. You'll notice that I just about never sing my own jingles. I think there's a couple of tracks. If you go to littlesongs.net yep. that you can try to sing on. But between the recording setup or not really having a good recording setup and the fact that People like Joe and KJ and Steve Lipton sing so much better than I do. There's really no reason for me to do it. Gotcha. But so that was the first one. I, and I gave him what I had started with. Mike Boxer, who does the arrangements for the group, he does a lot of the direction, a lot of the business. And said, that's great. Can you write some more? And I had originally thought of it as the same way that the jingle was, was a parody uh, straight up of the opening number, the Alexander Hamilton number. But they wanted to do a medley. So they said, can you do something for my shot? So I started working on that. And they had done something already that they had written down for the story of tonight. Uh, and they start putting it together. And as we're finalizing some of the lyrics... Mike shares this uh, Google sheet around with the lyrics. Here's the original lyric. Here's the parody lyric. Here's who's going to sing it in the studio. Here's who's going to sing it live. And then there's another column that says White House. And I say, wait, White House? You guys are doing this at the White House? <laughs> and I tried to figure out a way that I could go and see it. But, I mean, the security is so tight, they could, their, their own wives couldn't even go. Right. But the fact that it was performed and the fact that you can hear... At the beginning of the 613 video, the clip from uh, President Obama saying, you know, that 613 just performed a Hamilton remix. And Michelle Obama says it was good. And, and he says, if you ever have a chance to get the mixtape, you should buy it. Like having my words praised by President and First Lady, that's something. So I've been working with them every year since. Don't always have something that they need lyrics for. Actually, a couple of years ago, they did the uh, Star Wars Hanukkah where mm. they setting traditional songs to the Star Wars music, and I gave them one of the ideas, uh, setting Mao Tsur to the Cantina Band song, and I wound up writing the opening crawl that they did for the video, but there wasn't a whole lot to do. But then this year, came to me and said West Side Story, because I think they realize that tying into things that are happening in the movies, really the best way to go yeah. in terms of getting people's attention. Uh, they figured that out in uh, 2018 when we did uh, Bohemian Hanukkah. Right. But I think, you know, closing in on three million views on YouTube. So and it was actually played on Elvis Duran, which in like in their audio segment, which you know was mind blowing to me. Yeah, that's right. really cool. Uh, so then this year they figured, you know, they said West Side Story and I spent some time working with it. You know, certain parts. But if you, if you go and listen to it, the G Officer Krupke turning into G King Antiochus, that was the first thing. It, it came out you know right away. I think it was within 10 minutes of being told West Side Story. That's, you know, and the other cool. took a little bit more work, but so they're doing it and getting a, a great reaction to it right off the bat. And then obviously with Stephen Sondheim passing, you know, the, there the choice became much more poignant. Right. And it and it's felt kind of strange talking about it sometimes because you don't want to be too ghoulish about talking about Sondheim's death and here's this song. Right. Parody video. But then on the first night of Hanukkah, I saw a tweet and Facebook post from the Leonard Bernstein office, the or you know the organization mm -hmm. that both his legacy, mm -hmm. sharing the video. I mean, talk about affirmation, baby. That's sure. you know to, to, have, to work on. If you're working on something that's based on West Side Story, I can't really imagine any higher praise than having the uh, Bernstein office share it on their social media. Right. Yeah. Sure. And they're yeah. called what again? Six thirteen. Six thirteen. So it's spelled out six s i x. And then the number is one, three after originally it was, there were six people in the group and I think they tend to still perform with six, although there's kind of a floating group of eight members, but you'll usually only see six of them at a time. Sure. But it's also based on in Judaism in the Torah, there's 613 commandments. Ah, uh, okay. And it was actually, I remember the, the first time I went to, even though I wasn't a Knicks fan, I did go to a few Knicks games in the, in the 90s. And the first time my, my dad brought me to, to a Knicks game, he saw the banner, Red Holtzman, 
won 613 games as coach of the Knicks. And because they didn't have a number to retire for him, the number they put on the banner was 613. And my dad, who was not at that point a rabbi, but he is now, pointed up and said, oh, Boltzmann must have been pretty observant. He won 613 games. <laughs> so, yeah. So West Side Story, Hanukkah, the video. Every time I see a tweet about it from somebody with a blue check mark next to their name, it's a, it's certainly a little bit of a thrill. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll plug all that at the end for sure. Now, do you want to talk about your book at all? Well, growing out of the work with 613, I started out trying to write some Jewish children's picture books, and I'm, I'm making some headway on them. I have a couple of publishers interested. They're not exactly vanity publishers, but it's kind of a partnership model where when I do it, I'm going to be responsible for some of the publishing costs. So there may be a Kickstarter at some point in the future, and if there is, I will certainly let you folks know. But uh, so that's going on and don't have specifics on that yet. But there's also a Tony related project that if Michael actually ever has a, a chance to talk to, to Rob K any uh, anytime soon and not just, you know, give out a code that Rob didn't know about, they're going to discuss that. And I also have and I, I sent you a chapter of it because the last chapter of it is about Tony. I got the idea actually from the celebrity encounters emails that people used to send to the show because I have some good ones of my own. And the first chapter of the book is about being at Boy Scout camp in 1993 and finding out that Raul Julia had brought his son there. Oh, wow. That Julia was there. And then winding up, actually, I was getting my swimming merit badge at the same time as his son. And he was talking to us. And I think he was talking to us about how Adam's Family Values was coming out and, you know, just hanging out and talking and just get, getting to be normal somewhat. Mm. There was a no autographs rule that was announced to the camp, but I think it was like spread through the scoutmasters or something like that, that if you saw Raul Julia, you were not supposed to ask for his autograph. But, you know, it's, it's almost better that way. And, and one of the things that I thought about, and this is one of the things I read about, the, the camp talent show. Uh, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but he got up in front of this. There was a, a bonfire. There's a talent show in front of the bonfire. And he was a late addition. And he stood up in front of that bonfire and sang The Impossible Dream from Man of La Mancha, which nice. he had just been in. Yeah. And I've thought a lot about that in the years since, especially, you know, as celebrity culture has changed and as technology has changed. You know, I have this crystal clear memory of sitting there and watching him sing in front of this fire unaccompanied. But if everyone and his brother had had a phone in the crowd and could have recorded that and put it up on YouTube... It really would have cheapened the moment. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, and who knows if he even would have done it if that technology had been there back then and he knew somebody was going to record it. Right. But it you was know, something that was lost. I mean, you know, obviously that's toothpaste that's not going back in the tube. So it, it, it's, it's certainly something to think about at, at that point. And, you know, and, there, and there's other stories. So the way I have the book is it starts with that experience with Raul Julia in 1993 and then goes up through Tony. And I'm actually rewriting and adding on to that chapter now. And it's going to finish with me uh, sending him one of the ties that I had bought from the auction from the Americans. People might remember, I guess, back last December, Tony read a letter from me that I sent him with. I had won this eBay auction. Noah Emmerich's my third cousin. I've never met him. But when the show ended... And they started auctioning off these wardrobe lots and things on eBay. I said, eh, let's see what they have from him. And as it turns out, the jacket was in my size and the shirts and things like that. And said, OK, well, why not? So it, it, I got it, you can go back and hear. I think with the shipping, it was less than one hundred and fifty dollars. But I got a Brooks Brothers jacket, two sweaters, two button down shirts, and like 17 ties. Oh, wow. And I got this. And there was one that was the same tie twice. And that was the one that I sent to Tony, that, uh, which is why I happened to send him a, a green tie. I know at first he thought it was a Binghamton tie. That just happened to be the one that I had two of. So that was kind of where I'm, I'm going to wrap up that chapter, putting the finishing touches on it now, and then try to figure out what I'm going to do with it. At the very least, I'm going to release it myself. You know, the fact that you can just do yeah, print on publish. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, self-publishing has come such a long way where you you know, you don't have to put up ridiculous amounts of money for a vanity publisher right. that you can just print on demand now. Yep. Right. And I do have a book that's out that's actually going, and I'm going to do this next year because when it was originally released, it was only an ebook, and it's still only an ebook. 
probably one of the worst decisions I ever made was going with an ebook only publisher who didn't sell their stuff on Amazon. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was 2012. I was lured in by the idea that it was a big, uh, it was going to be a big fish in a small pond. And the, the guy who ran this publisher worked at the United Nations. And I figured this would have worked out, but it didn't. The publisher went belly up. The book is now on Amazon. I think I only sell it for three bucks. It's called Robert's Rules of Karaoke. And and I've, I've, been, I've been thinking about it because next year is going to be the 10th anniversary of when it was actually first published. So why not, you know, do a print version, have it print on demand and let it get out there? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, especially with so many avenues available to promote books. Right. Well, make sure you let us know what happens with that and the rest of your other book for sure. Now, we're almost out of time, but we pride ourselves on the fun, dumb questions. You're going to be OK with that, right? Of course. <laughs> All right. We only have time for a couple here. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? If I were buying for myself, I would go crunchy. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage prefers smooth. So smooth is what we have. Oh, I see how it is. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, I mean, just throwing this out there, Roxy and I have a jar of each here because we're the same way. I'm crunchy all the way. She's smooth all the way. So we have both. Maybe go buy yourself a, a jar of crunchy sometime. Our pantry is full enough as it is uh. <laughs> to turn into a disaster. Gotcha. So I'm not going to overcomplicate things. It's not worth it. Got- <laughs> gotcha. All right. If you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you be? Oh, cartoon character for a week. Uh, that that is that's a that's a really. I know, right? It's <laughs> a good question, right? That that that's a good one. Kind of like the idea of being like Plastic Man and, and not have to get up and just reach for, for whatever it is that you want. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's go with that. That's, cool. you know, they're fun and dumb. I don't need to put too much thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, the dumber and funner, the better, I think. Right. Oh, oh. That's a new Chuckism, as we call them. Hey, what TV family is most like your own? Uh, the Goldbergs. Oh. Oh, I love that. That's one of our favorite shows. One of shows. our favorite shows. Yeah. Favorite shows. Because we've fallen behind on it over the years, as other things have come up as we've started binging stuff on Netflix and what have you. But certainly before we had Netflix, we we're huge into the Goldbergs. And the woman to whom I'm related by marriage does kind of cite Beverly Goldberg, as played by Wendy McClendon Covey, as uh, yeah. one of her role models as a parent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Although lately, she's also kind of gotten into the Murray Goldberg referring to the two masculine children as, well, not, not as morons, but other. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. Close enough. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Elliot, we can't thank you enough for coming on the Loyal Littles podcast here. Now, let's take a quick second because I know you have some stuff to plug. How can we watch the video? It's on YouTube, right? It is on YouTube. It's called West Side Hanukkah Story. Uh, the group is 613SIX13. And you can and, and they've also shared a lot of it. They are at 613Sings on all the major social media platforms. I'm not in the group. I just write for them. And then my, I mean, I guess you're going to share from the account, is uh, T-A-F-K-A-R-R, which is the artist formerly known as Rink Rat. That was uh, my name at cstv or it was the nickname for some of my hockey coverage at cstv from a, a long time ago and it's just kind of stuck ever since so that's oh. uh gotcha. i've always wondered what that stood for i'm sure other littles have as well and now you have the answer littles <laughs> yep <laughs> that's great well elliot when this other book becomes something or whatever it's going to be make sure you give us a shout out we'll get you back on for what we're now calling five mediocre minutes <laughs> and we'll uh, get you back on so you can plug your book that'd be fantastic Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you again, Elliot. We really appreciate the time. All right, all you loyal listeners, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And thank you, Elliot, for coming on finally. Yep. That was a nice treat and hearing about all his endeavors and especially with that Hanukkah West Side Story thing. Yeah. I, I have seen that a few times and yep. it's quite delightful. I had no idea that he was one of the writers on it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So Roxy, real quick, I did want to also acknowledge we did get some more snail mail mm-hmm. and we got Christmas cards from Ed Butt, Jenny Robbins, Jolene Wojcik and Patrick Smith. That's really, really sweet. And Roxy, we need to get on this because, OK, it is December 16th. We still have not 
We don't even have Christmas cards yet, Roxy. No. Yeah. Sadly. Well, I did over a month ago have cards picked out. Yeah, Charlie Brown. Right. Because, well, I always go with Charlie Brown cards. Okay. But I did not purchase them simply because little Chuck has these thoughts sometimes. It's our first year as a married couple. Mm -hmm. So I thought Roxy here might want to go with the whole couple's photo. You know, those like postcard looking Christmas cards and... You get a photo and Mm -hmm. it's kind of fun and whatever. And it's actually pretty easy to do. You just pretty much sign the back and all that stuff. I wasn't sure. So I talked to you about it. You were like immediately put something together. Yeah. And I used photos from our wedding. Which I guess makes sense. Right. But then I showed them to you. And right. You said they looked weird because we're it's Christmas. It's a Christmas card. But we have pictures of us from the spring. Well, and and it also just looked like that thing you put in like the thank you. Right. Now, we didn't have to do that this year because no one was at our wedding because there was like eight people there. I mean, we yeah. thank the people we had to thank. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Usually like next year, like next year, after we'll do the that reception, when we finally yeah. get to have the party and right. everything. Right. And we'll have more photos. We'll and, say thank yeah. you for coming to our wedding. Here's a photo of the right. occasion. The and happy all that couple. Stuff. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. But long story short was I didn't. You didn't buy- like them. Well, like I said, it just looked weird. So I thought we'd have like a picture of us in front of a Christmas tree or something. Right. I don't know. Something like that. But because we've been so busy with it's your schedule now too or late. with our shows, it's yeah, it's way too late for that. So we have to figure out something. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll work on it. On the dilemma of the Christmas card. Ooh. All right. So now we have to get into some other things. But first, you know, Roxy, we didn't acknowledge in the opening about Survivor ending last night. Yeah. Now, this is normally we've been doing like holiday reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really shouldn't go too much into it just in case there's some listeners who haven't watched yet because it did just happen last night. So we don't want to give any spoilers, but not thrilled overall. And yeah. I already apologized once earlier in a couple episodes ago about even recommending it for the season because it's kind of a downer. If yeah. this was the first time I ever watched Survivor, I probably wouldn't watch again. Yeah, I don't interesting. know. Maybe. Yeah, I fell asleep and didn't she realize fell I fell asleep. And when I opened, I thought I just blinked. And when I opened my eyes, the winner was already had already she been announced. Like, I'm like, wait, so and so won. That's who won. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I, I thought ser- she was awake. I, I would seriously have woken her thought up. I blinked. No, I went into full sleep. So there's your review. Roxy <laughs> fell asleep. That's going to be the new thing. Forget this one, two, three, four, five Christmas trees. It's yeah. did Roxy stay awake? Right. That's right. our review from now on. <laughs> anyway. But we did want to get into a few other emails pertaining to our holiday reviews. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We got an email from Lee Gordon. He says, Chuck and Roxy. Yes. The freezer burnt Christmas video with Daryl Hammond, Chris Parnell and Horatio Sands. I love that name is the one I wrote about. We first recorded the audio track in 1997 and the clay animation was then created to match our audio. In 2001, the producers made a deal with Lauren Michaels, try to get it on NBC. That's when Michaels brought in the Saturday Night Live people to replace the lead characters. Originally, I was Gus, the kindly but gruff guy who ran the ice cream truck facility. I was replaced by Horatio Sands, but since the animation was done to my original voice recording, Sands had to basically mimic what I had already done. Fortunately, I played six or seven other characters and Sands did not replace me for any of those. So I was still in the version that ran on NBC and was released on VHS. I think it was also put out on DVD. As far as I know, the only way to watch it now is to try to find a copy of the tape or DVD on Amazon or eBay. By the way, I did not play Santa in this production. The only people listed as cast on the packaging and on IMDb are the three SNL guys. I need to send in a screenshot of the credits so I can get myself listed. Lee. Absolutely, Lee. I mean, get on that. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, yeah, that whole being replaced by, yeah, don't even get me started. Yeah. All right. And then we heard from James Cunningham. I kind of want to read the whole thing because it does our, my favorite thing of A. No. So, okay. He, so he goes first. I'm just going to do it this way. Okay. First, blah, 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 blah. Fantasy football, blah, blah, blah. Chuck overreacts, blah, blah, blah. Okay. We're done. <laughs> B. The best Christmas movie show is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. There is no debate on this. It is a fact. Third, if you want to watch an odd Christmas special, go and try to find the ALF Christmas special from season two, I believe. I am not going to spoil it, but it is a different take on what a Christmas special is supposed to be. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. It's just different. Interesting. All right. Thanks, James. We got some homework. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we'll make that the next one. I'd really love to see Lee Gordon's, but it sounds like we're going to have to 
get this off like a secondhand market eBay thing or yeah. something. So we'll we'll try to look it up. Maybe that's what I'll get Roxy for Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> but let's get into the ones we did watch. Okay. Now, do we even remember what the one was called? Oh, A Wish for Wings That Work. A Wish for Wings That Work. Now, me not remembering the title should give you kind of an idea. Now, this was, it's Opus, is that? Yeah. And he's a penguin. Yep. And I remember this cartoon. I think it was a comic strip, Yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't really ever remember reading it, but I do remember. I did not know that's what this was. I had no idea. Yeah. And he's got a cat as a sidekick. I felt really bad for the cat. Yeah, he's got a cat sidekick friend. It reminds me kind of Heathcliff. I'd hate to say that, but not really because he's not. He's just kind of a dopey cat. He's yeah. not like a tough. Yeah. You know. I will say some interesting things about this episode. This whatever you special, mm-hmm. I guess is what we're calling it. There were some nice twists. I like the whole Opus saves Christmas essentially because at one point Santa crashes in the middle of an ice an ice lake. Uh, a lake uh, yeah. or whatever. Maybe it was the no, I think it was like a lake. Yeah. And he can't get out for some reason. Because so the, the deer aren't there. I don't know. Something like that. But anyway, so the pe- Penji, penguin, he hooks himself to the sleigh and swims under the water and drags him to safety. Yeah. So it was kind of like a Rudolph type situation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that little twist. So, yeah. So, I mean, because of that, and there were some other moments it and the cute. music was cute. And there were some cute moments. I'm going to go with my, I give me a three trees. Mm, yeah. I know. Not you. Roxy's the tough one here. Roxy's the critic. I don't know, like two and a half, three tops. Well, you can go two, two and a half. Uh, yeah. All right. So she's slightly I don't under know, there. It was fine. I've yeah, I guess what I'm saying, I guess what we're saying, I think, is we enjoyed them, but it's not something we're probably going to seek out next year and be like, right. oh, I have to watch this. Yeah. Year, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But we appreciate the suggestions. Yes, we're we enjoying do. these right. special ones. Now, this Emmett Otter's Jug Band, if we can't find the Lee Gordon one, mm-hmm. I guess. I, now, I've seen that. I have not. You've I've never, never heard of Emmett? it. What? Yeah. Oh, Littles, I'll, I'll handle this. I'll take care of this. No, because I do think you should see it. Okay. Now, I, it'll be interesting for me because it's been a long time for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe I won't think like, oh, back in the day, I thought it was good. Now I, I won't. But we'll see. I'm going to try and dig it out for us. Yeah. Now, let's get to the one, more importantly, remember this list we top 10 movies and w- you said you'd seen it? No, you'd never seen it. But w- there was number three on the list was Fred Claus. Oh, yeah. Had you ever seen it? No. No, you had. Okay, I didn't think so. I hadn't either. So I was like, well, we have to seek this out. Now, yeah. we'd already gotten some emails and tweets about that it shouldn't even be on the list. It's not that good. I've got a conclusion for that. But let's get into the movie. Well, actually, I'll say it right now. I feel like there should be two lists of movies. There should be the top 10. I guess this would make no sense for me to say it this way because then it would be like, I guess, 11 through 20. Right. But I guess there are movies that are cute and they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They're just not ones that you, they're not your go-to Christmas movie. Yeah. And I would put this on that list. Yeah. Okay, we have a full review here, but it's kind of like Jingle All the Way, Deck the Halls. Yeah. Very cute if you got nothing better, but it's not Christmas Vacation. Right. Okay. It's not a Christmas Story. It's not the Santa right. Claus. Yeah. Okay, easy killer. Come on. All right, Fred Claus. Now, it's funny. When we started doing this, she's like, what are you doing? I had my legal pad out. Yep. And I took notes. I took notes. And I'm also, though, I was taking, I was adding and subtracting points. Now, Littles, (laughs) listen up. First of all, there's a major Charlie Brown. In the movie, they're watching a Charlie Brown Christmas on a TV. So So that automatically automatically bumped it up to five stars. Five trees. Five trees. Sorry. Trees. Well, no, no. I wouldn't say five trees because I started at zero. So but that gave it a tree immediately. Okay. Okay. One tree. Then within the next 10, 15 minutes, there was a Bethesda, Maryland reference. There was. Littles. In Fred Claus, there's a Bethesda, Maryland, not bagels, but there is a reference. So that that got it another tree. Yeah. In my opinion. Okay. So then let's go into the ca- the cast. It's got Paul Giamatti, Vince Vaughn, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Had no idea. Yeah. Kathy Bates had no idea. Mm-hmm. Didn't know all these people were in this movie. Okay. Then, you know, all the, all the time there was like all these little things and she's like, oh, she could tell like, oh, that deducted half tree or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, so it kept going back and forth. There's some really, really good stuff in it, though. Okay. At one point, Fred Claus, because you can imagine having a brother that popular Santa, uh, yeah. Nicholas, yeah. you know, he goes into like this support meeting with all these famous siblings, siblings of, of famous, famous people. <laughs> I mean, this was one of the best scenes in the yeah, movie, it I was think. Pretty good. So he has Roger Clinton, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton's, Frank Stallone, Sylvester's brother, Steve Baldwin, one of the more famous Baldwin brothers. I mean, oh, and then it had Morgan, well, I'm assuming Morgan Freeman's 
brother. Yeah. You know, he looked just like him, yep. but it wasn't Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very a very was clever, clever concept and a very clever thing to do and, and to have w- those cameos. What it's like to live in the shadows of your sibling. Famous brother. Right. 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 And some of the dialogue in those scenes were fantastic. It was great. <laughs> now, the biggest disappointment for me, Roxy, and I this has become my new biggest pet peeve, I think, in holiday movies with Santa Claus. Seven Deer. <laughs> They only had seven deer pulling Santa's sleigh. So I obviously for littles, if you're doing the math and the whatever, it's there. They were going with the whole Rudolph concept. Right. Okay? But they were missing one. It's two. Two. So well, if you're going with Rudolph, I just don't get it. Right. It's there were only six. Right. Well, plus Rudolph. So there were seven deer in this movie pulling Santa's sleigh. Oh, I missed Rudolph. Yeah. It drives Where me crazy. I? Just drives me crazy. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, There's which ones were of, taking the yeah, day I mean, off? Blitzen, Dasher. Who, who wasn't there? Because they weren't wearing name tags. Right. So who's taking this Christmas off? I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. How? Yeah. So I that, wish someone could explain that to how me. How many trees did you deduct for that? Uh, I was, uh, it ended up with just one because I'm giving this, uh, no, I think it was one and a half. Okay. So I ended up going with like three and a half to okay. four trees for this movie okay. overall. Um, but yeah, that's been my, my new biggest pet peeve. Yeah. And it starts with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Spoiler right. alert. Right. Drives me nuts. Right. That, that song, they're singing the song. Yeah. You know Dasher and Dancer. And, you know, I mean, they name the deer, but they're not there. It's right. like drives me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so what did you, overall? Overall, I thought it was really cute. I would say like four trees. I Ooh. was not as detailed as Chuck over here was. But first thing. Well, can we pause for a second? Seriously, as soon as they said Bethesda, Maryland. I was like, I perked up. My ears perked up. I perked up. up. I was like, I'm getting my notepad. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Because I don't want to forget to mention that. Well, I looked at him and I was like, oh, Bethesda. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to earn me some points in Absolutely. the little world. Like, Absolutely. Okay. So. Okay. okay, Roxy, I have to interrupt. This is hilarious. Uh-oh. Okay. So, we're doing this early morning. Tiny Chuck clearly on his way to work. work and he clearly is a little behind, but listening. And I'm not kidding you, Littles. This is how we're going to end the show. This is the text I just got from Tiny Chuck. Vince Vaughn is not Santa. Watch the movie for F's sake. (laughs) Best Santa is dude from Miracle on 34th Street. Well, Chuck, which one? Which one? Original or remake? The original or the remake. So do some homework, Chuck, for F's sake. (laughs) All right, Roxy, please continue. So I thought the movie itself was cute. I really love watching these movies and seeing how they create the North Pole world mm-hmm. in all these movies. I, th- I thought this was beautiful and amazing and the little village included with it where they live. And but I, I really enjoyed it. I am with you it. on the Santa Claus on that one. Yeah. They, that's one that of the best. world is. That's one of the best. Well, how to get there and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, I do agree with you on that. It was incredible. So, yeah. So I did enjoy this one. I give it four. Four trees. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. The holiday spirit's coming back to Roxy. Just a little. All right. <laughs> so I'm not sure what we're going to do next. Maybe we'll do the Emmett one and uh, we'll we'll let you know. Yeah. All right, Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at WTFCpodnet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at the Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, the Loyal Littles Podcast. I thought you were going to mix it up. Nope. You can't. You probably can't. can't. I can't do it. It's She can't do that out of order. It's, in, it's, it's ingrained, ingrained in, my, in your head. It's ingrained yeah. in your head. Also, don't forget to run over to iTunes and Apple and give us a nice rate and review over there. And thank you once again, Elliot Oshansky, for finally coming on the Loyal Littles podcast and meeting the Littles. And thank you, Santa, Lee Gordon, Rup Sharma, and Kim Wilson, two L's, for our bumpers this week. All right, all you loyal listeners, thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you're out shopping online tonight, Use the code, people! Have a good rest of the week, everyone. Bye. If you want some place to sleep tonight, you better shut up.
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.